Thank you very much, ladies, and I hope that you will keep on believing. When considering a theme for the winter retreat this year, of course, we were hoping and holding out at the possibility of still being able to meet together in person. But of course, that has been impossible with the current regulations and guidelines for the United Kingdom. So when considering a theme for this year's winter retreat, this is one verse that kept rising in our reading, in our devotional thinking, and throughout the months. This is one theme that has been something that has kept many people going, you could say. And the theme has been taken from Isaiah chapter 26. And I wish to begin, I believe God has led us to begin this week by looking at this text together. Isaiah chapter 26, beginning in verse number 1, reading down to verse number 4. And the verse, the theme verse, and thus the theme of the winter retreat this week, is that third verse, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. We are living in a very strange and uncertain time, a time when many people's minds are wandering and many people are struggling with knowing what to believe and what to do. And so the idea of having the possibility of a mind that is stayed, that is steady, is something that all believers, I think, are looking to and trusting in. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah 26 for our reading this evening. We'll begin reading in verse number 1 down to verse number 4. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates, that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Let's bow our heads together once again this evening as we ask God's help as we look at his word. Father in heaven, we approach thy throne again this evening and ask of thee now to help us as we look at thy word. We are mindful that all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. We ask especially for thy help in concentration as we look at thy word. But we do not ask just for mental concentration. We ask for a softening of hearts. We ask for a brokenness in mind even, a brokenness in heart. We pray that each one of us might come with a broken spirit and a contrite heart this evening. We might be ready to hear from thee. We pray for the ones who are extremely discouraged because of this past year's events. Those who are struggling, not knowing what to do and not knowing how to get back on track as it were. We pray for those who are concerned about the future, concerned about the uncertainties that lie ahead. And we pray that this evening's meeting may be used to bring comfort and peace to them. We pray for those who may be watching tonight who do not yet know Thee as Lord and Savior. And pray that somehow, some way, our dear Savior may be exalted to such a degree that they are caused to see Him for who He is. Speak to every listener, we pray, 
Use this meeting for thy glory and our good. For we ask it in Christ Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I want to draw your attention to that first expression in verse number one. In that day shall this song be sung. This song. The third verse of Isaiah 26 is actually part of a song. It's an interesting thought. That verse that brings has brought such comfort throughout the ages and is even bringing comfort to believers today is really part of a song. It is an expression that is found in the middle of a song given from God Almighty to His people. Now, singing, we know, is a powerful exercise. And we find literally dozens and dozens of songs throughout God's Word. Some have estimated and counted up about 185 songs, perhaps even more songs that weren't, weren't identified in the Scriptures as being songs. But 185, think about that. Of course, 150 of those, nearly 80% of the songs found in God's Word are found in that book of songs, the Psalms. But there are, other t- there are also two other song books in the Bible, if you didn't know that, the Song of Solomon and Lamentations. So really, we have three song books within the Scriptures. It's an interesting observation that the first song recorded for us in the Bible was the Song of Moses. When they crossed through the Red Sea and the Israelites rejoiced at God's wonderful deliverance. And the last song in God's word recorded for us is also the song of Moses found in Revelation chapter 15. And they sang the song of Moses and of the Lamb. What a thought. The first song in God's word, the song of Moses and the last one as well. Many songs in the scriptures are songs of victory. Many of them are songs of lamentation, of grief, of sorrow. But this song that we're looking at tonight in Isaiah 26 is a song of hope. And if God's people have ever needed hope, it is today. Now, we are living, no doubt, in a time of very little hope, at least if you're constantly looking at the news or reading newspapers or the latest accounts given to us then we know that there is very often very little hope. But this is not the first time that God's people have lived in a hopeless situation and time. God's people have oftentimes lived in difficult, dark days. God's people have oftentimes found themselves in seemingly hopeless situations. And God's children here in Isaiah 26, the children of Israel, were living once again in a hopeless era. And God graciously gave them this song as a way of bringing hope. Now, there are many ways that a believer can be encouraged in difficult days. We can be encouraged by thinking about what God has done in the past. You maybe have sung that hymn before, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. That's one way of encouraging yourself in difficult times. I wonder, when's the last time you stopped and considered what has God done? How has God blessed you throughout the years of your life? Another way that you can encourage yourself and the Lord in these times are looking around and recognizing the sure evidences of God's presence in your life today. How has God proven himself? How is God proving himself today? 
Just today I was thinking on a particular subject in a particular thought. I was uh, pondering in my mind, struggling with really. And a friend from thousands of miles away who had no idea what I was thinking, no idea what I was struggling with, someone from thousands of miles away sent to me a screenshot of a hymn, a very old hymn written in the 19th century. And the words of that hymn were exactly the very thought that I was pondering. A token, an evident token of God's kindness and love to me. And I wonder if you are able to recognize and see God's hand even in your present circumstances. We can encourage ourselves by picking up the eternal written word of God and being blessed by the promises that are found therein. But there's something else that God has given every one of his children that helps them on their journey. The Apostle Paul refers to it in the book of Titus chapter 2 as the blessed hope. The expectation of things that are to come. And the word hope is found over and over in scriptures as something that is what the believer expects to happen. And our blessed hope is the return, the soon return of Jesus Christ and the establishing of his great kingdom for all eternity. That is our hope. And that's exactly what we're reading about in the book of Isaiah chapter 25 and chapter 26. In fact, this song is preceded, you could say, with a bit of an introduction in chapter 25, verse number 8. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. And God begins to tell his children of what is to come. Now, of course, we realize this is there is an, an immediate promise to the children, the nation of Israel in that day at that time. But there was also an underlying hope and promise that could be received by God's people throughout all ages. And so here we are in 2021. And the comfort and the hope that is found in this passage is just as relevant for us today as it was then. There is a hope. There is a blessed hope for every child of God. And that blessed hope is not just the golden streets of heaven. But that blessed hope is the eternal presence of Jesus Christ himself. That's what we look for. That's what the child of God is longing for. And this song, that's what, if you want to put a title on tonight's message, perhaps those two words would be it. This song could be used of God even tonight to bring hope to you. I want you to notice a couple of things about this song in verse number one. In that day shall this song be sung. Now, many people have imagined that day to be the actual day when the Lord Jesus returns the second time and establishes his ultimate final rule and reign for all eternity. But some have also imagined that to be when he would come the first time. That gospel era, the beginning of that gospel era. But in either case, we understand Christ has come. His kingdom has begun. And we understand that some of these promises can be claimed and acknowledged even now. So in that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. And look at the very first thought of that song. We have a strong city. Historically, there have been records of strong cities throughout the world. I live in the country, this country, the England, 
part of the United Kingdom, and there are numerous strong cities or historically strong cities where fortresses and castles have been built to fortify and, and to stand up and to defend the strength, to recognize and symbolize the strength of a city. But there is no strong city like the city of our God. And no city on earth, no walls on earth, no castle, no fortress on earth can compare to the kingdom of God, which is in reference here. And we have a strong city. You might be looking around today and thinking everything is so uncertain. The economy is uncertain. My job is uncertain. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Everything looks so uncertain. But we have a certain strong city. The author of Hebrews wrote about this, both referring to the Old Testament understanding and the New Testament fulfillment of that to that which we look forward to. Hebrews chapter 12, that great, wonderful chapter that follows the chapter of uh, faith. Pardon me, Hebrews chapter 11, that great chapter of faith. And we find in verse number 12, verse number 14, read along with me, please. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Now, they're not seeking this country or your country, wherever you're living. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. Now, I think just about everybody in the world is desiring a better country right now. I think just about every inhabitant in the world is looking for a better country. But listen carefully. And they desired a better country. That is... A heavenly, you could say a heavenly country. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. And in the next chapter of Hebrews, chapter number 13, verses 12 to 14, Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city. Did you catch that? So many believers today, so many people today are living for the establishing and the bettering of this society and this physical city in which they live. But the scriptures say we as believers here have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. I wonder today if you're putting such an emphasis on the preservation of your physical health, the preservation of your physical society, to the neglect of all that is spiritual. And the song that brought such hope to the nation of Israel in Isaiah 26 is the same song that could bring you hope today, and that is that we have a strong city that is not of this earth, that is not of materialistic possessions, a city that is heavenly, that is spiritual. Now, there's something else we find in this song. We have a strong city, but also we have a safety, a security. I don't know if there's anything that's secure anymore today. With the advancement of technology, nothing seems to be secure. Your mobile phone is no longer secure. Your thoughts and your conversations don't even seem to be secure. But the scriptures tell us in this song, salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. In this strong city that we have, there are walls 
and there are bulwarks, walls that signify security and safety, bulwarks that signify a strengthening of those walls. And that safety, that security is found in the salvation to which God has appointed. Salvation is our security, is our safety. I don't want to offend anybody today, but I think that too many people are putting all of their hope and all of their expectation and all of their security, they're wrapping it up in guns and walls and governments and medicines and vaccines instead of finding their security in their salvation. It shows often, I think, just how often we think are so, we are so worldly-minded in our thinking rather than heavenly-minded. The greatest defense and protection that you and I have is in the salvation that God has given us. The greatest security that you'll find in this earth, on this earth, is the salvation that God has sent from heaven. It's not an earthly thing. It's not a worldly possession, but it is an eternal possession. It is something that God himself has prepared for us, provided for us, and given, delivered to us. And the greatest safety and security that we have are within the walls of God's salvation. Isaiah chapter 16, verse number 18. Isaiah the prophet writes again, Violence shall no more be heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within thy borders, but thou shalt call thy walls salvation in thy gates praise. Think about that. Gates are, are a point of entry. In fact, the next part of the song say this, we have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates. The point of entry into this city, open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. And the, and the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 60 that those gates are called praise. Because the openness of those gates are cause of great joy and cause of great celebration. That there is safety, there is security, there is a strong city while we are living in this earth in this time. And that is found within the walls of God's salvation. But the Bible says there are a certain people, a certain kind of people that can walk through those gates. The righteous nation. Think about that. This is not speaking of an earthly nation. You might say, oh, it's speaking of the nation of Israel. But there's a far greater picture there. A far greater picture to our city, and not just the city of Jerusalem, but a beautiful city, one referring to the kingdom of God Almighty. Not just the walls of Jerusalem, which were to be rebuilt by Nehemiah, but we're talking about the walls of God's salvation. And not just the nation of Israel that walk into that city, but we're talking about the people of Almighty God, to obtain the righteousness of their great God imputed unto them. I wonder tonight, do you bear the righteous account of our dear Savior? I wonder, you've heard the testimony this evening of, of, a, of a young man who understood that he needed salvation, that his life was filled with sinfulness and brokenness, and he needed an account that was better than his. And that only the only account that will gain you entrance through those gates is the righteous account of Jesus Christ. A righteous nation which keepeth the truth. There are many people today who call themselves the children of the living God but live a life that proves otherwise. They say one thing with their lips but they deny that same Lord by their lifestyle. 
But this song that brings us hope speaks about a strong city, about walls of security and safety. Speak about gates that are open. And the ones that walk through, you might say, I'm not sure I can walk through those gates. I'm not sure I'm righteous enough or keep the truth of God enough. Well, let me give you one last thought this evening. Not only do we have a strong city and not only do we have a safety and security, but we have a Savior. And the whole emphasis of this song is not about the things that we have. Those are blessed benefits. But the whole emphasis of this song, the basis of our hope, lies within a person. And that's when we come to verse number three, the verse that we often quote to bring comfort and joy and courage uh, in a time of difficulty. But the very first word of verse number three is the answer. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. The answer to our hope, the base for our hope, the foundation of our hope is found not in my performance, not in my obedience, not in what I can do, but is found in the one that can keep me. Thou will keep him. We look at that text, the the verse prior to that that says, he, the one that keepeth the righteous nation which keepeth the truth, they're the ones that can enter in. And we think, I don't know if I can ever do that. But you read the next verse, thou wilt keep him. This is not so much about our keeping as much as it is about his keeping. And we find this beautiful verse to which you will hear, expound, it will be expounded throughout the week in ways I know will be a great blessing to you. And I'll just touch briefly on it this evening. But we find this great verse, Thou will keep him. What a promise. We are kept by God. I want you to think with me for just a moment. The same God that built that strong city, the same God that gave those walls of security and salvation, The same God that opened wide the gates and said, Whosoever will may enter in. The same God that brought us in by the hand is the same God that will keep us in this day, in this time, in this season. Some of you are terribly discouraged by our present circumstances. Some of you are terribly distraught about what the future may hold. But I want you to know that there is a God. God wants you to know that he will keep you. He will, that word keep means to guard, to protect. And it's an amazing thought. It's a thought that isn't new to Isaiah the prophet. It's found all throughout God's word. Just one little instance, Psalm chapter 121. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help, my help cometh from where? The Lord. Not from the government and not from my neighbors and not from all of the ones making decisions. No, my help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. Watch this. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Meaning God never sleeps on his watch, on his guard duty. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. We read just a moment ago in that book of Isaiah uh, that thou wilt keep him. Well, the one that keeps us never slumbers, the scripture said. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. 
The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. What a promise. Kept forever. Uh, we, we've got to get the, uh, the vaccine. We've got to get this or that and the other just so we can get through this time. But our trust and confidence is not in something that a medical industry can produce. But it's in something that God Almighty offers forevermore. A security and a safety. Now, I'm not telling you to disregard all that the medical industry is, is, is suggesting. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying our ultimate hope and expectation is in a great God. A keeping God. Thou wilt keep. That's what we find there. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. We're not kept in a prison somewhere. We're not kept locked up in a home somewhere. You might feel that way right now for the last year. No, no, no. Thou wilt keep him in peace. In perfect peace. The expression literally is, thou wilt keep him in peace, peace. Shalom, shalom. Double peace. The perfection of peace. When God guards us and keeps us, he doesn't guard us and keep us with a well, he does, with the bullets flying all around us and the war zone all around us and us fearful underneath. But he keeps us in perfect peace. What a promise. Did you know that it's possible? It is possible to go through any difficulty and trial in life, any upset, any discouragement, any unexpected trial you can go through with perfect peace. I know some people who, who have experienced that perfect peace in the time they needed it the most, in the time when the doctor's report came back with cancer on the paper, on the list. I've seen people who have had perfect peace when they've lost a loved one. As of recent, there have been some folks that we know and love who have lost dear loved ones. And the perfect peace of God has kept them. But I've also seen God's people who know the Lord, who've walked with the Lord, I've also seen them go through such an unsettled, distraught, distressed time without peace. And my brother and my sister, I do not believe that's the way that God wants you to walk through this life. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. You might say, well, how come I don't have peace? Well, there's a condition. Thou will. It's a promise. God will keep us in perfect peace. But look what it says whose mind is stayed on thee. You cannot expect God to keep you in perfect peace while your mind is running wild after the things of this world. While you're obsessing over the news, obsessing over the tragedies, obsessing over all the difficulties. We see that illustrated when Peter walked on water. You remember storm raging all around. But the moment that he took his eyes, his mind off of the Savior and looked upon the problems all around is the moment that he began to sink. And so it is true with you, my friend. There is a promise of perfect peace if your mind is stayed on him. Because he trusteth in thee. What's it mean to have your mind stayed on God? It means you trust him. 
You trust him. The moment your eyes come off of the Lord, the moment your eyes come off of the Savior is an, is an indication you're no longer trusting him. It's an indication you have to take things into your own hands. But there's a promise. If, we, if our mind is stayed on him, if we trusting in him, we'll be kept in perfect peace. I want to show you something else that's very encouraging. The last verse that we'll look at is verse number four. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Three times in one verse, you find the word Jehovah. Trust ye in the Lord. When you see that word Lord with four capital letters, Jehovah. Trust ye in the in Jehovah forever. For in Jehovah, Jehovah is everlasting strength. Three times the word Jehovah is found. The covenant-keeping God. God isn't just a God that keeps you in peace, but he's a God that keeps his word. And if he promised that he will keep you and give you peace, if you'd only keep your mind on him, then he intends to keep that promise. But look what else it says. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Those two words, everlasting strength, literally mean the rock of ages. Think about that. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is the rock of ages. The world in which we live, the society in which we live, is far from a rock. It's more like the waves of a sea tossing to and fro, up and down. But in the midst of this sea, there is a rock that cannot be moved. And that rock is Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And if you would put your hands on him and take your hands off of Facebook and your mobile phone and the news, then you would be sure to have a peace that passeth all understanding. Lay hold on the rock of ages. We find that expression throughout the scriptures. Deuteronomy, we, we read of it in the book of Psalms, chapter 89, we read about it. And in the New Testament, we find again that that rock is Jesus. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 4, in reference to the time when the nation of Israel was traveling through the wilderness, the Bible says, And they did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Jesus is that rock of ages. Jesus didn't begin his existence when he was born in Bethlehem. He's the rock of ages. The same rock that you and I cling to today is the same rock that the nation of Israel drank from in the wilderness. And that rock, look what the word says, that rock followed them. What a promise. What an expectation. What a hope that no matter what we go through, no matter what we endure, the rock of ages is right with us. Always providing spiritual refreshing if we would only stoop and drink from that rock of ages. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 8, Peter had it right as well. He understood something of this as well. Look at it with me. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 8. Look with me please in verse number 7. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. This is speaking of Jesus. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, 
The same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness unto his, into his marvelous light." Child of God, you and I ought to be the greatest light in this dark era of human history. We ought to be the source of light from which our neighbors glean hope. We ought to be the very source of light and hope and expectation for all who live around us because the rock of Jesus Christ is the rock upon which we stand. Let me encourage you today. The promise of Isaiah chapter 26 is a promise that we can lay hold of today that he will keep us in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. In God, in the covenant-keeping God of Israel, is the rock of ages, Jesus Christ himself. The only one upon which we can cling in such a storm-tossed world and society. Are you clinging to him tonight? Look, I know things are different. Things are not the way we want them to be. But you and I pining over what has gone in the past. You and I wishing and hoping things would get back to normal. Whatever normal is, is not going to change it. The only thing that will offer perfect peace in this time is the everlasting rock of ages. Clinging to Christ. Will you cling to him tonight? Some of you may be watching and you're lost. Can I tell you your only hope is found in Jesus? He never changes. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever because he's the everlasting rock of ages. I hope you're clinging to him. I want you to bow your head with me in prayer and then we'll sing our final hymn. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank thee that there is a rock of ages. We thank thee for Jesus Christ, the only source of peace, the Prince of Peace. We thank thee, Father, that thou art the God of all peace, and that even in the midst of the storm, we can find that peace, because it is found in Jesus. Father, we long to hear our Savior whisper those words, peace be still, not just to the storm that rages around us, but also to the storm that rages within us. We pray for those tonight who are most unsettled, those tonight who are most uneasy. We pray that tonight they might find what it is to lay hold on Christ. They might experience what that double peace is, that perfect peace is. And we pray that this evening they would rest upon the rock of ages. We pray these things in his name, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.